Hey everybody, welcome back to the Whitney Whiskey Podcast. I'm here, DJ, and along with my co-host, Mark. Hello. And uh, this week we got a pretty great topic, if I do say so myself, but I figured we'd start off and uh, just ask, hey, how's your week been, man? What you been up to? Work. Lots and lots of work. Fair. Which I know, that's... With the year we've had, uh, you know, you shouldn't complain about work, you know, because lo- lots of people, unfortunately, you know, we're going through a lot of biz. I was laid off for a while, so, uh, but, you know, right back in the scheme of things, trying to catch up, but, oof, it, it, it was a busy week this week. Uh, wh- what about you? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of new people on the team this week with some corporate reorgs going on, so it's been a lot of training people, a lot of getting people up to speed on various pieces of work I, I basically was in meetings for like 90 percent of my week but got some some time to, get, to bang out some decent code this week which was pretty nice and I also managed to last weekend put insulation up in my attic which was I don't know if I talked about it last episode but uh this week it was like the day after I put the insulation in was when the night hit like 45 and so I walked into the library the next morning, and it was the same temperature as the rest of the second floor, and it was glorious. 45, I'm jealous. I'm moving up to the Shire. The last three nights, it's dipped into the 30s uh, down here. I, I refuse to turn the heat on. I, I am fighting a battle. So I'm actually sitting here in the beautiful 1821 Summer Kitchen Recording Studio in a sweatshirt, hoodie, uh, stocking cap, and I have the hood up. Well, yeah, um, it, it's definitely fall up here in the Shire. <laughs> no, we, we, we've, we've skipped fall and we've gone to winter, although looking at some of the weather reports for next week, it looks like we're going to jump back into summer because uh, next week it looks like the median air temperature at night is going to be back in the 70s, which is a bit more my speed. That's uh, fun. And hey, I mean, you know, it wasn't all bad this week, too. This week uh, was the 24 hours at Le Mans. They, uh, this week, just this past weekend, it ended... Well, this morning, our time, 10.30 our time. Uh, and that's fun. I, I know eventually probably season two, season three, I definitely want to do an episode on that because they advertise it as the world's greatest motor race, and it is. I mean, you're, you're racing continuously for 24 straight hours. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And, hey, congrats to Toyota, three in a row. I mean, that that's impressive. Even though this was a down year, it was a down field. Uh, to be able to win three in a row, not a lot of teams other than you know Porsche, Ferrari, and Ford have really done that. So kudos to them. Woof. Uh, does anybody ever fall asleep at the wheel? Uh, well, they use multiple drivers, but there's been a. F- I mean, that's lately. There's been a few interesting stories. There was a uh, driver who eventually got hired by Mercedes, Pierre Levesque. Leve. I'm going to butcher this. His name. It's a French last name. Uh, who once did 22 and a half hours and was leading and was planning on going the entire distance. And uh, due to fatigue, he missed a shift and blew up his engine and ended up being a DNF. Uh, And then there's the story of uh, one of the Jaguar teams in the 50s who their car was disqualified after qualifying. They were very upset. They went out and got rip-roaring drunk at one of the pubs in Le Mans, because Le Mans a, a, a town. Part of the track is a permanent circuit, and part of the track is closed public roads, even to this day. So they went into town and got absolutely rip-roaring drunk in a pub. The car was reinstated. The team owner went and got the guys, threw them in the car, hammered. And as the legend says, every pit stop, they were handing them coffee to try to sober them up. 
Oh wow! So there's there's a lot of fun little stories with Lamal, and it's just it's a neat little gimmick, and I, I really enjoy the concept of endurance racing. It's an entirely different kind of flying altogether, as they say. Uh, so I was enjoy- I didn't get to watch it this year, but I had the radio feed on because I had to work, of course. But I had the uh, the global radio feed on, and that was a lot of fun. And if it piques your curiosity, the 24 hours of the Nurburgring is this weekend. They're going back to back because of the Rona. So if you listen uh, this coming weekend, there's another 24 hour race. This one's over in Germany. So. And you can listen to it on your old timey radio. You can get your cathedral radio and, you know, dial it in. It, it's funny. It streams over the Internet, but it is actually an FM station based out of Europe, uh, complete with the, you know, frequency reads and all the adverts and everything. And it, it, it's a good time. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Other than work, uh, I just took my wife out for our anniversary this week, which was really nice. Is How that, long has it been for you kids? Uh, eight years. God damn, you got us by a year. Yeah, we, we've been married for eight years, and we were dating for like a year and a half before that. So we've almost actually hit 10 years actually knowing each other's faces. So that's been pretty nice. And she still puts up with you. Bless she, she does, yeah. But it was great. We we went to uh, kind of our local, I hazard to call it a city, but you know our, our, our local haunt, Portsmouth, uh, around here. And we went and had brunch at a little French bistro in Portsmouth. Uh, everything was like all the tables were like 10 feet apart and it's the first time we've been out since oh out together probably since like february damn yeah i mean we we've been doing a lot of stuff at home uh like everybody but we haven't really done any restaurant meals and uh i gotta tell you for for somebody who had had a long stressful uh, social week at work. It was an introvert's dream. There was no small talk. <laughs> Nobody wanted to 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 sit there and talk to you in line. Everybody was avoiding eye contact. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that being nice, especially for your anniversary. Sometimes you just want a quiet night out. It was, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely finding myself more and more social these days. Uh, I think I've reached the limits of how <laughs> of how introverted I can be. But it was nice after a long week, so um, definitely, definitely recommend it. I went to the Maison Navarre in Portsmouth. Uh, they have really good desserts, and weirdly, one of the few places left around here that does crepes. So, love me some French cuisine. Yeah, we used to have a uh, French restaurant in town here. Uh, unfortunately, it closed not not due to the pandemic, but apparently the executive chef who was actually from Paris owed the federal government quite a bit of taxes. Oh, wow. So she went back to Paris and may or may not be awaiting extradition, depending on who you believe. Um, (laughs) But I I was very sad because I used to enjoy going over there. That's awesome. But uh, aside from our awesome busy weeks, what are you drinking? Well, okay. Uh, I I was a... When we were first texting before we went on air, I I had told you that I was concocting an experiment, and I was, but it was rushing, and I wasn't really happy with it. And I know that, because I have made this particular drink before, so I know I had written down the proper recipe somewhere, and I couldn't find it, so I scrapped that. But instead, I think we're going to do something a little out of the ordinary for the Witten Whiskey here. We're going to, at least I am, I'm going to review a mixer. Ooh. And this was originally given to me as a gift. It's Bitter Milk's Old Number One Pre-Made Old Fashioned Mix. 
a pre-made Old Fashioned Mark? Well, it's just a mix. You have to add your own alcohol. So, you know, you have to add your own alcohol and you have to add your own fruit. So, you know, it come, the, the bigger bottle I have is, um, you know, 20-some 20, 20 ounces, and it's the old medicine-style bottle. Although I'm looking on Amazon here because I received the bottle as a gift. So uh, I was looking on Amazon for pricing. Uh, that bottle looks like is about $14.99. Or for $17.99, you can get a five-pack of single-use, you know, little shot bottles that you just use and throw away. And I enjoy the back label. It says that it is proudly made by humans, which is always re, you know, reassuring. Especially and when you have to list it. Yes. In small batches, it recommends that you put four parts of your favorite rye or bourbon with one part of the bitter milk. Me being me, I went six parts and two. Of course because, you, you did. Know, why not? Uh, and then I topped it off with uh, the Maker's Mark cherries from our earlier Manhattan episode, because I still have a few of them left, even though you can't get them anymore. I figure I might as well use them while the using's good. I can't tell you how jealous I am, because I went out to try and find them, and they are just not a thing anymore. <laughs> the only place I even saw any listing was on the Walmart website, and it was so sketchy that I, I wouldn't trust it. But no, it seems like they're not a thing anymore, but I opened the jar, so i got to use them now before they go bad. And I have to say, it's this isn't bad. It actually isn't as sweet. I mean, I, I go back and forth on old fashions. Uh, I like them, but it's I don't love them, uh, you know, because with the simple syrup and the fruit and everything, they are usually a sweeter drink, and I'm not a sweeter guy. But this is I don't think bitter. you're making them right. <laughs> maybe not, maybe, but I don't make them that often, so. That's fair. You know, this is pretty good. It, you can definitely get the hints of... Uh, the different ingredients. Now, they recommend that you garnish it with an orange peel or an orange slice like you're supposed to. I didn't have any oranges. That's why I used the cherry. That's the only reason I, I use the cherries. I just don't have any oranges in the house. But I have to say, you know, for 15 bucks, if you can get a big, the big case of them for something to throw together once in a while, if you don't want to keep simple syrup on hand, you don't want to keep everything else on hand that you need, it's not bad. Um, That's fair. Know, and it, I was pleasantly surprised. Let's put it that way. I'm usually with you. The minute somebody says pre-made anything, I'm like, eh. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised. So. I, yeah, it's fair. I, I'm trying to get really good about not yucking any yums uh, on our podcast here. So if, if mixers are your way to go, if you you know if you like sour mix or, or margarita mix, you know, to each their own passion. Enjoy what you want while listening to our wonderful podcast. I personally definitely go out of my way to pre not pre-make but you know fresh ingredients and stuff like that it does get a little silly doing fresh ingredients sometimes see i you know now this is going to sound kind of silly when i say it because i usually drink enough to justify it but it's harder on paper at least for me to justify because my wife is not a hard alcohol person at all mm. so whenever i'm making something i'm making it for one <laughs> So something like this is a little easier. Now, if you're at a party or something, you know, and you have or you have company coming over, yeah, you might not want to break this out. You might want to go the extra mile and actually make a proper old fashioned. You know, th you throw them in the uh, in the refrigerator, keep them chilled. And I actually went the whole hog. I'm drinking this completely neat. I don't even have my whiskey stones in here because I wanted to get the full palate of it. And again, I mean, I'm uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. It's, it's not something I would want to drink every day, and it's a far cry from the old fashions that I had at the wedding a couple of weeks ago. 
but for what it is, it's not bad. I, I found the Old Fashioned is, I, like other whiskey cocktails, I feel like other than maybe the whiskey sour, they, they're still kind of relatively young in their rebirth. You know, things like the Sazerac and the Old Fashioned, they're, they're so easy to screw up. Yes. Well, and I think a lot of it, you know, and maybe this is going to sound elitist, but I think a lot of it is, you know, Mad Men, especially for the Old Fashioned, brought that back. That was Don Draper's drink of choice. So a lot of people wanted to, you know, they wanted to emulate that. It's a cool show. I get it. But yeah, it's something I've never really mastered. Although I've always been a Manhattan guy. I started drinking Manhattans before Old Fashions. You know, what, what's the what's the line from Rick and Morty that just sounds like slavery with extra steps? An Old Fashioned just sounds like a Manhattan with extra steps. <laughs> you know, just just give me the Manhattan. It's true. When I, when I did the bartending class earlier in the summer... Uh, he saved the old fashioned for the last because it was like everything we were doing were like classic eighties and nineties cocktails, and then he got to the old fashioned and he's like, okay, this is where we get into like really traditional cocktail culture. This thing has like six steps. Yeah, <laughs> and the only reason it's in here is because people are ordering it now. <laughs> what about you? What are you partaking this evening? I am glad that I went with quote unquote normal whiskey. Yeah, somebody uh, has to save this yeah, show. Yeah, I, I went with the straight whiskey uh, instead of uh, doing a mix, which is rare for me. Usually, the, this is a bit of a role reversal for us because usually I like experimenting. But I found on the shelves of my liquor store yesterday when I went out shopping, I found uh, Widow Jane 10 year old aged bourbon. And I had never had it before, and it I, I tend to like the the bottles that are a little, like, minimalist. You know, they tend to have, like, batch number on them and bottle number, and there isn't much crazy going on with the bottle or anything like that. So I tend to like to try that kind of thing more than I do, you know, a weird fluted bottle or something. There's currently... I don't know what the whiskey is. I keep seeing it and passing it over. There's a whiskey that the bottle is in the shape of a state house. See, we don't get any of that fun stuff down here in Pennsylvania. If I if I decide to get it at some point, I'll uh, take a picture of it and throw it up there. But I, I haven't been brave enough yet. So Widow Jane, uh, age 10 years, doesn't actually say bourbon. The whiskey, not Widow Jane. No, I not Widow Jane. I feel that's important to specify. No, no, no. Widow Jane is not 10 years old, as far as I know. It looks kind of like a small batch hipster thing. They're using like locally sourced limestone mineral water for their whiskey. The The first thing that you get when you take a sip of it, it's just, it. it's vanilla. I get a lot of vanilla and a little bit of citrus, some spice notes off of it. It's it's quite good, but man, does it, it burn. It mellows out after, you know, a minute or two, but uh, it's it's definitely like a bam right in the face. Cinnamon and spice, and and then it kind of mellows out, and you get some of that vanilla. You get a little bit of... It, it definitely... It's kind of like a heavy, like a cream kind of feel in the tongue, and it's really good. Uh, I definitely would buy this again and mix it up in something tasty. But yeah, so Widow Jane, age 10 years, check it out. I wonder if that's how she killed her husband, you know, if it was like poison and the burn is simulating the poison. You know, he could have just died in war, man. Yeah, but that's not interesting. I mean, that's, you know, you got to create a backstory to this Widow Jane creating uh, a distillery at the age of 10 isn't good enough for you? 
There we go. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> hey, you know, okay. I mean, we've got it all this week. I have a mixer that's proudly made by human beings, and you have a 10-year-old girl's whiskey. So we are just, we're rolling here. It's good. I should well, mention <laughs> that the, ten, the 10-year-old's uh, whiskey is 91 proof, so uh, pretty damn good. Good for her. God bless it. Man. Right? Yeah, I think I got um, 375 mil is a fifth, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so I got a fifth of it, I think, for like 42 bucks or something at the liquor store. It was pretty, it was pretty affordable. Well, as we stumble through this episode, do we, do we want to tackle the rant of the week? <laughs> yes, we really do want to tackle the rant of the week. Oh, okay, so let, you know, th- this is going to be a new feature. You know, we've done Maya Copas on a few episodes, not every week. This is going to be another feature that's going to pop in and out every week. This is going to be the rant of the week. So, okay, well, we're, we're not going to name this distillery because they don't deserve to have their products plugged on this show. They do not. But there's a distillery in Germany somewhere. And they sell whiskey, they sell rum, and they sell vodka. Mm -hmm. And I can't really tell you anything else about those particular, you know, uh, label. I don't know if it's it's whiskey whiskey, if it's scotch whiskey, if it's bourbon. I don't know what the proof is. I don't know if it's age. I don't know any of that stuff because it doesn't tell you any of that stuff on the website. Yeah, because the price tag has nothing to do with the actual what is in no. the bottle. The price tag is 150 euros, which I believe, I haven't run it through the exchange calculator, but I believe it's about 175 $180. The, the euro is pretty close uh, to the dollar. Woof. So, you know, a sizable chunk of change to spend on, on a bottle. When the only discernible marketing point is apparently, allegedly, when you purchase said bottle of whiskey, they take the bottle out of their warehouse or wherever the bloody hell they bottle it, and they hand it to an adult model, an adult film star, and she then decides to pour it all over her naked body. They apparently catch it in a pan, and then re-bottle this whiskey and send it to you with a photo of the woman doing whatever the hell it is that she does with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the portion of her body on the upper half. Yes, it's boob whiskey. Yeah. Now, both of us here at the Witten Whiskey Cast are fervently against this. Mm-hmm. DJ's opposition is more moral and more human. Mine is more practical. I just, yeah, no, I don't, this is... This goes against everything that kept me away from whiskey for so many years. It's the whole weird gentleman's club, kind of gatekeepy, kind of grody aspects of some people who drink whiskey. And Mark's uh, objections are... Well, see, I'm going to be that grody gatekeepy guy. I'm going to gatekeep these people right out of the hobby. And this is coming from a man who this week just reviewed a pre-made mixer. <laughs> so how far have you fallen if I'm going to throw, cha- you know, chastise you? But, okay, now I'm going, for the sake of argument, let's assume, let's pray, let's hope that these models bathe regularly, which I assume they do. I'm sure they're, you know, fine, upstanding women. And there's nothing wrong with their choice of work, even though they're ruining perfectly good bottles of whiskey. But even a clean human body sheds skin flakes. It sheds uh, microscopic hair follicles. The human skin is full of oils. So you are completely destroying any characteristics 
of that whiskey, any flavor, any taste. Now, I'm sure it's probably just rot gut stuff thrown in a bottle. That's not what you're paying for. I understand that. But at the end of the day, you basically are going to have cannibal Goldschlager <laughs> with hunks of porn star floating in it. And I just, I just keep coming back to the why. Why would anyone want this? Why You can't show it to anyone. You can't have a party and say, oh, we're going to drink boob whiskey. It's, I mean, maybe if you run a frat house and you all throw in, that could be the only possible explanation. I just, I don't understand how they're making any sales with this. It's just so bizarre to me. I mean, it's a gimmick that we are clearly not the target audience for. No, but I'm pretty white trash. <laughs> I'm usually down with, you know, with some of the lower income things. Sure, but I don't, I mean, I think there is a... I don't think this is necessarily like a lower income white trash thing, just based purely on the price point, mate. I suppose not. I suppose not. But uh, regardless, boob whiskey bad. If you take nothing else from this episode, if you take nothing else from this podcast in general, boob whiskey bad. Boob whiskey bad. Which, uh, I mean, to kind of just segue right into our topic, I mean, talking about... <laughs> uh, uh, a, a genre that is known for um, uh, exemplifying some of my the notes. assets of some of our characters. I was going to say, don't, don't steal some of my notes. <laughs> no. I'm going to be reviewing one of those shortly. <laughs> uh, we are, we're talking about anime this week. Um, or as they lovingly called it in Best Buy in 2002 when I was purchasing some of these DVDs, Japanimation. Yeah, Japanimation. Uh, so we are specifically this week talking about the animation style of uh, cartoons out of Japan. There's probably a lot here that we could talk about. I know there are some modern anime that are actually coming out of France, and there's some American shows that could be considered anime, you know, taking a nod at you, Avatar Last Airbender. But we're specifically talking about shows and comics out of Japan. And Mark, do you want to kick us off with your first one? All right, I'll kick us off with the first one, and I think I'll go out of order from the show notes just because of that great segue you did at the beginning. We'll start with Black Lagoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Black Lagoon ran from 2006 to 2008. Um, I believe all of the animes that DJ is going to talk about, and I know for a fact all the animes I talk about are also manga, which are basically... Um, they're not, but the easiest way to explain them is Japanese comic books, for oh, lack of a better term. They definitely are. It's, I mean, the publication is a little bit different, but you know, manga, as compared to like American comics, are generally published in black and white, and you can collect them in like 180-page volumes. They're you know, a little bit smaller than a paperback book. Yes. Um, so Black Lagoon has 11 of those volumes so far. I believe I only have nine. I need to get the last two. Ooh, they might be out of print, buddy. No, no, they're on thrift books. I was looking at them. Oh, that's good. Um, two seasons of the anime itself, 24 episodes, not uh, the traditional 13-episode seasons. They were doing 12-episode seasons. Uh, the manga was done by Viz Media, and the anime was done by Madhouse Studios, which is a fantastic name for an animation house. Uh, there also was a five-episode prequel OVA, which I did not know and I had not seen. I discovered that in my little research here. Yeah. Now, what's fun about Black Lagoon is, as DJ alluded to, anime is often known for, eh, dare we say, exploiting female characters. 
when you look up Black Lagoon, it's listed under genre as girls with guns. Yeah. It's which so apparently true. is actually a genre of anime. It's a very deep rabbit hole. I don't recommend going down it. Certainly not when you're at work. Uh, if you want a high quality girls with guns one, uh, I would definitely recommend noir. But keep going. And basically, you know, you have uh, very badass female protagonists utilizing weaponry. There's martial arts. There's action. There's yada yada yada. But. Uh, personally, I don't think that does Black Lagoon justice. What is interesting about Black Lagoon is how it deals with very real, very heavy, very dark, very mature themes. Uh, the basis of Black Lagoon is you have a group of pirates, and not like, you know, our matey, hook-on-hand, eyepatch pirates, but modern-day, more Somali-style pirates uh, based out of Vietnam, and it has episodes ranging on drug trafficking, assassinations, um, child smuggling and selling children to pedophilia rings and the very real consequences of all of these actions and, you know, the very real things that go on in America, well, in the world and as we're discovering lately in America. And basically, you know, do mercenaries have limits? Do mercenaries have morals? You know, what's a paycheck worth? It deals all of that. Uh, the art is very cool. Um, it's very violent, very graphic. Uh, there's a lot of sex, a lot of nudity. If you're of an older persuasion, it is a very, very good read and a very, very good watch. And especially in the crazy-ass world we're in, I definitely recommend taking a look at it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's high quality. You know, it's I feel like it's top of the line for, like, mid-2000s action. Yeah, definitely. All right, what's your first one? I contemplated which one of these to do first. So I picked, I, I actually picked three different genres to make this a little bit harder on myself because my wife and I own a lot of manga. And I, I feel like I say a lot of manga and you don't know how much manga that is. Literally all the manga. Yeah, it's like thousands of volumes at this point. We stopped counting. So I restricted myself to three genres. And the first one I'm going to share is in the, it's what's known as the isekai genre. Uh, it's my personal favorite uh, genre. You know, they all there's a bunch of different genres of anime, and isekai is the the classic trope of character X either dies or uh, gets transported to a fantasy world slash video game, and then has to figure out how to live. Fairly common ones that come to mind are like Dot Hack from the '90s. Uh, uh, give me a trigger warning when you take me out on a nostalgia trip. Like I know, that. right? Uh, Fushigi Yugi is another example. But specifically the one I'm talking about is super recent. It's called Didn't I Say to Make My Abilities Average in the Next Life? Gesundheit. Yeah, uh, I'm going to just refer the, to this as average abilities because uh, that's how most of us <laughs> refer to it. There's a modern trend in the isekai genre that the newer it is, the more ridiculous of a long title it has. Uh, you know, things like, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Or that time I got reincarnated as a slime. They're all really good. But specifically, Average Abilities started out as a Japanese light novel series. Light novels and manga are published in a lot of the same way. Either they start off as like online web comics, or uh, they get published in magazines, and eventually they get printed in these like they're called tankabon volumes. These 180 page, pretty easy to read volumes. And light novels are just there. It's mostly prose and like. Every 20 pages, there'll be a picture. 
there are 13 light novel volumes of Average Abilities. It started in 2016, and it's still ongoing. Uh, to give you an idea, the manga series only has three. So some things start off as light novels, some things start, start off as manga, some things start off as anime and then get manga associated with them. It's all weird. But there was a 12-episode anime in 2019. I haven't heard if it's going to get a second season or not. Uh, but the whole premise of Average Abilities is uh, there's a girl, she's in high school, and she's super popular and feels a ton of pressure about you know, achieving in high school and doesn't have a lot of close friends because no one wants to talk to her because she's too popular. And then she gets hit by a truck and she dies. And she gets reborn in this other world as this young, uh, like, kind of like a princess of like a small kingdom. And the whole uh, hook of the show is when she is being reborn, the god of this world goes oh, hey, when you died getting hit by a truck, you actually super helped me by pushing this other little girl out of the way. So because you helped me, uh, I'm going to grant you any wish you want going to this world. And the girl goes, well, I just want to be average because nobody liked me when I was super smart. And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yep. And so he plays a trick on her because she just said she wanted to be average. She didn't say that she wanted to be an average human. So she gets reborn as a human with the... And she wakes up at, like, age 13, remembering her prior life and fully awakening into this power that the god gave her. The god took the power of an elder dragon and the power of, like, a beetle and cut it in half and gave it to her, which is technically average in this world, but it's 7,000 times more powerful than any other human in existence. So she can just lift trains with one hand and her magic is off the charts. So she's like, well, that's not really what I asked for, but I'm going to go on adventures and run away from my family. And it's, it's super fun. It's super cute. Um, and like Mark said, one of the things I really appreciate it is it deals with uh, like real world problems in a fantasy setting. You know, it deals with uh, things like rape and it deals with things like um, uh, girls growing up in families that expected them to be boys and uh, a rampant sexism and, and all sorts of uh, problems like that. But it does it in like a fun, approachable way. So that's Average Abilities. That sounds really interesting, actually. It's a lot of fun. What's your second one? Well, I guess we'll just keep going up the list. My second one is the bane of my wife's existence. Oh my God, I love it so much. It's Oran High School Host Club. Now, I was first introduced to this at Anime USA in 2009 or 2010. The last day of the convention, we got there early for the AMV contest. And there was an AMV of who I later find out was Koyoya. <laughs> leading the rest of the hosts in Be Prepared from The Lion King. That's amazing. It was the greatest thing I had seen up to that point. And I was just like, what in the hell is this anime? I have to watch this. And my friends were all laughing because it was about four or five years old at the time because it came out in 2006. And they said, that's Oran High School Host Club. You're, you're going to hate that. 
Well, if we're being honest, it's not really uh, my, you know, what you would think is my cup of tea, but it is the greatest show. It basically follows the main character who is female and who is on the lower income bracket, but is going to this very exclusive private school on a scholarship. She stumbles into the host club and shatters a vase worth however many million yen, which she cannot afford to repay. So they put her to work in the host club in drag for the entirety of the show. Now, officially, it only has one season. It has a part one and a part two that are each 13 episodes. So they're basically like two different seasons, but it's one continuous arc, and it, you know, it's officially one season. Yeah. But there's currently 18 volumes of the manga, and I believe I read that it's still ongoing. It is not. It's complete. No. Okay, well, that's good. Then I have all of them then. Yeah. That makes me happy. I was like, is this another one that, that I don't have all of them? Uh, and it's a total parody of otaku culture, whether it's the different trope. You know, each one of the hosts has a different trope. You have the lowlies. You have the pretty boys. You have the smart corporate business salary men. You have twins. You have cross-dressing. Uh, you get the natural. You get the absolute natural, you know. They have the stereotypical beach episodes. They have the stereotypical going into town episodes. They have the, you know, let's go and visit each other's houses episode. It, it just, it runs off of tropes. It runs off of stereotypes. It's a great comedy. It's a great way to laugh. Unlike Black Lagoon, it is not heavy at all. <laughs> it's something you can absolutely unwind to. But it does have a nice plot. It has a nice little uh, romantic arc set in the background. And really, each one of the hosts has their own thing going on, and they have their own arcs that get resolved over the course of the episode. It, it, it's pretty well done, the way they keep all the balls in the air. Yeah, it's extremely well done. Mark and I had to fight over this, over who got to talk about it. My wife thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world, which is funny, because usually she likes the more you know cutesy, romantic stuff, and she just thinks this is just dumb. <laughs> but, you know. She doesn't really like anime, so we don't really talk about her. Or Oran gets pretty deep, though. It's it's. Oh, it does. It, it when you if you just watch an episode or two out of context, it seems like the most shallow, trite silliness. But when you put it all together, there are layers upon layers going on. Yeah, and I, the anime only really covers, I think, like the first seven or eight volumes of the manga. Yeah, it's not it's not long. Yeah. It's not long at all, actually. Yeah, uh, I didn't include it on my list, but honorable mention alongside Oran uh, is Fruits Basket. It came out around the same time, and uh, they're both shoujo manga that have anime that only cover a small portion of the, the manga. Well, you know, it's like Sergeant Frog, although I think they're on like season four or five of the anime now. So. <laughs> Sergeant Frog. I almost did Sergeant Frog for this, and I almost did Grenadier for this. Oh, I love Sergeant Frog. All right, what's your next one? My next one is probably one of my biggest anime loves of all times. It's Fairy Tale. Fairy Tale is a shonen anime. You know, it's all about the power of friendship and and action scenes and fighting and and you know, being good buddies at the end. Uh, you know, like any of the good ones. And back in the day when Mark and I first started getting into anime. There was one shonen and one shoujo that we yep. grew up with. It was Dragon Ball or Sailor Moon. You had a boy and a girl anime. And that was it. Yeah. And then the next generation of anime, once it started to get a little bit more popular over here, we got the big three shonen. It was Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece. And I'm not going to talk about those because Fairy Tale is like Generation 3. 
Uh, and it, it kind of plugged the gap between the big three that were done and then the stuff that came after, like My Hero Academia and stuff like that. So Fairy Tale, its manga ran from 2006 to 2017. Uh, Mark, how many volumes of manga do you think it is? Oh, you told me that you were going to uh, quiz me on this. Uh, well, it's obviously a lot. And I mean, if we go by Bleach and Naruto, God almighty. I'm going to say, I'll pick a round number, 58. And it's 63. Jesus. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep, and my wife and I own every single volume. <laughs> Uh, it's an extremely long series. The anime encompasses the whole damn thing. It's 328 episodes between 2009 and 2019. It ended last year. It's got two movies. One came out in 2017. I think one came out in 2012. But the whole concept of fairy tale is wizards. <laughs> when you look at the shonen genres, they all seem to have like a, like a big overarching theme, right? Like One Piece is pirates. Bleach is samurais, Naruto is ninjas, fairy tale is wizards. It's all about a fictional world where there are people who have magic and people who don't. And uh, the people who have magic organize into adventuring guilds that various governments or, or individual people can uh, solicit for help with jobs. So, like, one job might be somebody stole this book, go get it back for me. Or another job might be this evil wizard is trying to burn down this government building, go go beat him up. And it's great. It, it's all about the, the guild fairy tale and all of the wonderful characters. There's Natsu the fire wizard and, and Lucy, who's the celestial wizard, and then there's Happy the blue flying cat. It's just, it's weird and quirky and wonderful, so I highly recommend it to everybody. Sounds like a good trip. It's good. What's your third one? I already know what this is, but... Only the single greatest anime ever created. Now, this... The third one is the anime that got me into anime. Uh, As you said, growing up, we had Sailor Moon, and we had Dragon Ball Z. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wasn't a girl, so I didn't watch Sailor Moon. It it sounds sexist, but that's the way I thought as a kid. And Dragon Ball Z... It was the 90s. Yeah, I well, yeah, that and Dragon Ball Z I didn't really care for. I didn't appreciate it until I got older. There was only one anime long before this one came along that I enjoyed, and I think you can guess what it was. Speed Racer. Yep, the original Speed Racer from the 60s. I used to watch that. But otherwise, anime was just, you know, it was stuff like Speed Racer, you know, with bad dubbing and crazy stories. And then I discovered The Big O. Still, I don't think I've even seen a poster for the Big O. Yes, you have, because I have several of them hanging up in my house, and you've been here before. Okay, fair. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, this actually is the was the greatest gateway anime because it was produced, co-produced by an American studio. It was an American anime. Uh, it was done by Sunrise, Bandai, and Cartoon Network for Toonami. It ran from 1999 to 2003. There's six volumes of the manga by Viz. I own all of them. I remember when Walden Books was still a thing, going in each and every month and ordering the new volume because they wouldn't keep them in stock because I was the only one that read them. 
lasted two seasons of 26 episodes. They were promised a third season by Cartoon Network, and at the very last minute, it was pulled out, and that's why the ending is so wild. Uh, you know, there's several stories. Either they believed that they were getting another season, so they set it up as a cliffhanger, which is what I believe, um, or they made the ending so crazy to try to force Cartoon Network's hand into making a third season once they pulled the plug, or, you know, if they just flat out didn't care, if, you know, if it was a reset. There, there, there's a lot of different theories out there, but they were promised a third season that was not made. It's interesting in that it is a giant robot anime. It's a mecha anime, but it's an American mecha anime. And <laughs> when I say when I say that, you watch mecha animes. Gundam, of course, all the different Gundams are the you know the go to. They can do all these crazy things. They could fly. They could jump in the air. They could do backflips. They use skilled weapons like katanas and different things. No, the robots in Big O don't do any of that. <laughs> they walk really slowly up to each other and they punch each other in the face. That's all they do. And it's awesome. <laughs> the art style is incredible because it was actually done by one of the studios that worked on Batman the Animated Series. Huh. So it has that same dark noir where they drew light colors on dark paper and it gives it a very film noir detective-y look. It's also basically anime Batman. Uh, Roger Smith is Bruce Wayne. The Megadeuce is the Batman persona. Uh, Angel is clearly Catwoman. Uh, Dan Dotson is Commissioner Gordon, especially in the first season. I, I don't really know who Dorothy is. She doesn't really line up with anybody. Robin, maybe. Um, you know, he has a custom, Roger Smith has a customized car with weapons on it, like the Batmobile. He has a crazy butler who can use guns named Norman. Uh, you know, it's basically Mecha Batman, and it is awesome. It, it ran on a rule of cool. They combined film noir with Batman, with Mecha, with Shakespearean plays uh, to come up with episodes, especially in the first season when there was no, you know, grand arc. The first season's a lot better than the second, in my opinion. Um, they had commercials because everybody wore black. Roger used to wear these black three-piece suits. You know, good guys still wear black. <laughs> you know, you'd come home and put on Toonami, and there'd be Roger Smith in a three-piece suit driving a car. It was cool, <laughs> you know, and that, that that's if nothing else. That's w what a show should be. It should be fun, and it should be cool. So if you haven't seen The Big O, for the love of God, go out and watch it. There's clips on YouTube. It, it is just, that's the best way I can describe it. It's cool. I might have to pick up the Blu-rays for it or maybe get it from some other video service. I mean, I have all the DVDs. I could ship them to you. <laughs> I will spread, spread the gospel of the big O. <laughs> Fair. All right, so I'm down to my last one, huh? Yeah, how do you go on after that, though? <laughs> well, I think I just have to go in a completely different direction. So I chose my last anime based on uh, my last favorite anime genre, which is the gothic genre. So I chose The Ancient Magus's Bride. You ever heard of this one? I can't say I have. All right. So this is uh, relatively new. There's 13 volumes of the manga. It's still ongoing. Out of everything that we've talked about today, I think only average abilities in Ancient Magus Bride are, are ongoing. It's got a, an OVA that came out in 2016 and then uh, 24 episodes of a, an anime uh, that came out in... 2017 
2017? Yeah, 2017. So it's weird and gothic and... Uh, it's deeply like Celtic slash like fae inspired. There's a lot of fairies in it. And the the uh, whole concept of Ancient Magus Bride is that there is a young girl uh, named Chise who her parents die and she sells herself into slavery. It gets pretty dark pretty quick. Come to find out she is this like center of magic in the world of magic. She's she's called a sleigh beggy. And they're basically like these people who are born like this are basically giant power batteries for magic in the fey realms. And they generally burn out really quickly and they die horribly tragic deaths and that's what they're all doomed for. So that's the beginning of the story. You find this all out about this character, and then they're like, and guess what? Now we have an entire series about her. And she gets bought at a slave auction by a magus named Elias. And Elias is tall, wears these giant robes, and he his head is like the skull of some sort of animal. And his eyes glow. Super creepy looking. And he picks her up and he says, I bought you. I am going to train you in the ways of magic. I'm going to save your life, make sure that you don't die prematurely, and ultimately uh, you're going to be my wife. And then he teleports home and that's how the story starts. So it's this really, it's kind of like sweet but also horrific at times of like, Chise doesn't have any sort of regard for her own life because she knows that she's just going to burn out. And he's constantly trying to, like, give her, giving her meaning to live and, and teaching her about magic. And she's, there's constantly Faye trying to tempt her away from Elias and all of these different factions of, like, clerics and alchemists who want her for their own reasons. It, it's crazy. There's all sorts of bullshit that happens, but... It's one of the more beautiful things that I've ever read or watched, so I highly recommend it. Uh, it's got it deals with a lot of interesting concepts around like uh, death and and loss and grief, which you know it, it's kind of a downer after talking about <laughs> really fun anime like Big O and, and Black Lagoon. But uh, it's beautiful and hauntingly sad at times. But I can't I can't put it down. It's amazing. That's the secret, you know. If they leave you wanting more, they do. That's the way you got to do it. They All right, do. very quickly because we're short on time. Give me one. You already did one, but give me one honorable mention. Just give me the title. Don't don't give me the why. Don't give me the how. Just if, if you had to watch a fourth one, what would it be? Uh, my honorable mention is actually a Korean live action drama that uh, it's not an anime, but it's a live action drama and it's called You're Beautiful and you got, everybody should watch it. It's amazing. See, this is why he gets to edit, because that, that'll make it. You know, I say, give me one anime, give me a title. He gives me a dissertation on a live-action TV show. <laughs> What's uh, yours? Helsing. <laughs> Helsing's awesome. Go watch it. That's all awesome. I'm going to say. Uh, I, I mean, I assume that one has something to do with vampires. Yes, vampires fighting Nazis. Very good. All right, so that is it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for putting up with us. It's been a long week for both of us, as you could probably tell. 
don't forget, you know, go on our website. You can listen to the uh, newest episodes that drop every Friday. You could read our blogs. We review different things. We have different drink recipes up, so check that out. You could also email us at thewitandwhiskeycast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram, both at the Wit and Whiskey Cast. Uh, W-I-T for wit and an E in whiskey. We're also on Podbean now. We added that to our collection. We're on Podbean, although I have to get uh, caught up on the episodes. They only let you upload three a day, but we're getting there. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. So there's a million different ways you can listen to us if you want to. Uh, big ups to Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and our outro, of course. Uh, we're going to have keep putting his SoundCloud link uh, in the episode, so do check him out. Yeah, Give definitely. Him we Bye love you, Nuno. We do love you, Nuno. All right, so next week's topic. Let me pick three here for you to dabble on. All right, all right. I'm excited. Uh, let's see here. Let's. Uh, do we want to do Legos? Mm. Do we want to do... Oh, toxic fandoms would be fun. Oh, that I'd have to do some research on that one. Or do we want to do? I put at the bottom about doing a series, much like our overs and unders. Or what did we end up titling that one? We didn't end up titling. Uh, that I think it we, hot we takes. called it hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I envisioned doing a series like our hot takes, but on the console wars. So uh, how about for the third topic, we do it the console wars, but you had a, a Super Nintendo, did you not? I did. Yeah, see, I had a Genesis. That could be a fun episode. Ooh, I, I'm going to pick console wars. Let's do SNES versus Genesis. <laughs> I uh, had a feeling I'd hook them with that one, folks. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll argue against myself because I love both of them, but I, I will take the side of the SNES in this one. Well, I, I enjoyed both of them, and I, I currently own both of them now, uh, later on. But a, as a child, that was my one breakaway from uh, Nintendo. Uh, I had a Saturn, too, but I got that after my N64. But yeah, I think that could be a lot of fun, because that, to me, was the peak of the console war. You know, Sega does what Nintendo don't, and blast processing, and... You know, putting consoles into other consoles to do absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, you know, Mario Paint, we have a mouse for a Super Nintendo. Why? We don't know. We just do. It's fine. We had a Super Scope. Don't even worry about it. You can only play like half a game on it. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, next week, our first episode in the series on the video game console wars the Super Nintendo versus the Sega Genesis. Oh, God. Find out, dig out your best grade school outfit, pick your side of the playground, pack some Dunkaroos and Gogurt. We're going back to school, kids. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get out my Jenko jeans and my, yes. my bleach tips. My, my L.A. gear with the lights and the shoes. Don't you judge. They were cool. <laughs> I love it. All right. But until next week, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Witten Whiskey cast. Love you all and salute. Cheers. Cheers.